would believe me if I told you that somewhere in this church there was a pretty big Easter egg. So about 50% of you, a bit less, think I'm a trustworthy individual. (laughs) And the rest of you, not buying it. How would you know if there was an Easter egg in the church? How would you know whether to trust me or not? What are some things you could do? Eat it. (laughs) Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Look for it, yeah. That's pretty much the only option you've got, isn't it? You've got got to sort of uh, take me on my word and try and have a little hunt to see whether or not you think I'm telling you the truth about the hidden Easter egg in this church. Now, I want you to think about that. Maybe uh, you can uh, sort of cast your eyes. Who knows? Maybe it's up there somewhere. I don't know. could be hidden anywhere. Uh, And... uh, I'm going to uh, talk about the, the Easter story a bit more, um, but in case I'm boring, uh, Em's got some colouring in here, uh, so you can take some colouring back to your toys, uh, it's an Easter colouring in, I think it's of Mary, is it? The women. The women at the tomb, running back to the disciples. There you go. So uh, when the women uh, found out that Jesus was alive, they ran back to tell everyone else And uh, that's what you're going to be colouring in. And I'm going to be talking um, a bit more about the story. Of course, you're welcome to listen to me. Um, But if you'd rather just colour and play with your toys, that's okay too. And at the end, you've got to keep paying attention though, because at the end, I'm going to get you to come and look for this egg if you think think it's really there. Well, while uh, the kids are sorting that out and returning to their stairs, why don't you just uh, turn to the person next to you, particularly if you haven't met them, and wish them a... A happy Easter. While the kids are colouring and thinking about whether or not I'm telling the truth, um, uh, and no doubt you also are wondering whether you can get your hands on the giant Easter egg as well, uh, the news that we have heard read to us today is equally surprising, isn't it? The news that Jesus has risen from the dead. This is unusual news. I mean, we're here in church, we do this every year, we kind of know that this is what happens after Easter, but uh, as we take our minds back to those first disciples some 2,000 years ago, uh, this day would be impossible almost to comprehend. If you were here with us on Good Friday, you heard the story of Jesus' death 
on a cross in chapter 19. And we hear at the end of that story about how Joseph of Arimathea and his friend Nicodemus, they take Jesus' body off the cross and they bury it in a tomb, in a garden. Let me just read to you from chapter 19, verse 40. Taking Jesus' body, the two of them wrapped it with the spices in strips of linen. This was in accordance with Jewish burial customs. At the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had ever been laid, because it was the Jewish day of preparation. And since the tomb was nearby, they laid Jesus there. In modern times, we have these things called funeral directors, and when they pick up the body of someone who has passed away, uh, they do some preparations. They, 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 They help the body to kind of... Uh, look its best, particularly if we want to go and have a, have a look. And that, that, you know, that's what's happened here, right? They, they've taken Jesus' body and they've embalmed him, basically. They've, they've wrapped him in spices and linen. They're, they've done all the things that you do to a dead body. And he never said, ow, when this was going on. He didn't say, stop it. He was dead. Dead and buried and locked away. And that's where most stories end, isn't it? Ned Stark doesn't come back to defeat the Lannisters. Michael Jackson will moonwalk no more. Shane Warne is not going to bowl another leg break. When you're gone, you're gone. Part of the shocking nature of death is its final reality. And unfortunately, we all know it too well. All of us have been affected by the dastardly thing that is death. So when you think about the disciples who followed Jesus around for three years, who've given up everything because they thought this man was going to become the king of Israel, he's now dead. And their lives have been wasted That's the headspace that these guys were in as we get to that first Easter morning. Early on the first day of the week, uh, chapter 20, verse 1, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. When Mary goes to the tomb... She goes there, she sees a stone has been moved, and she doesn't just go, ah, clearly he's alive. She thinks someone's nicked his body, someone's stolen him. What are we going to do? And Peter and John, when they hear this news, they run to the tomb, I presume because they can't believe what Mary is hearing, uh, telling them. that They're struggling to comprehend the fact that Jesus wouldn't be in the tomb that's had a big rock in it. Not even their minds have turned to the fact that it might be because he's alive. I think they're struggling to comprehend the thought that his body has been taken by someone. And so they run, we read in uh, verse uh, 3 and 4. Uh, Peter gets there first, he looks in, uh, he doesn't go in. Uh, sorry, uh, John gets there first, looks in, and then Peter goes straight in. Verse 6. 
Peter came along behind uh, him and went straight into the tomb, saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. This is weird. They get there, Jesus isn't there, and they're, I think, equally confused. It says in verse 8 that John, when he goes in, reached the tomb first and he saw and believed. But what I think he's believing at this point is not Jesus is alive, but that Jesus is not in this tomb anymore. He believes Mary. I think what we're hearing, here, we're seeing here is a step towards belief. Okay, I'm accepting the facts before me. My dead uh, 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 friend is not in his tomb anymore. Mary has told me that. I now believe it. And we, uh, I think there's good grounds for that because look what John tells us in chapter, uh, verse 9. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. So it's not that they've figured out what's going on just yet. And it's quite remarkable really, isn't it? Because we know that these disciples and Mary Magdalene, they saw Jesus do a lot of cool stuff. They saw him perform miracles. They saw him heal people. In fact, in chapter 11 of John's Gospel, they saw Jesus raise a man from the dead in Lazarus. So you think they've got plenty of grounds on which they could be entertaining the thought, maybe Jesus is alive, but of course, it just, it just seems to not be crossing their mind, especially when Jesus has kind of taught them that this is what's meant to happen. But their view of the world, their way of approaching things, just means, for now, this is just not on their radar. And I tell you all this because I wonder what you think of the claim of Easter Day. What do you think about the claim that Christ is risen, he is risen indeed? Fun words, nice song to sing, great excuse for some chocolate, or truth and life-changing truth? Now, I want to say that if you're not quite sure, that's okay, because the claim the central claim of the Christian faith, that Jesus rose from the dead 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem is an unlikely proposition. It's a big claim. And yet, it's the claim around which this entire thing we're doing this morning stands. It's the central claim of our faith. If you can prove that Jesus didn't really exist, that he didn't really rise from the dead, then there's no point gathering together this morning or any Sunday morning. There's no point doing any of the things that Christians do. And if you want to explore the thought more about why is it that Jesus rose from the dead and should I believe it or not, then let me encourage you to come again over the next two weeks. I'm going to be on holidays, but Noel will be here, and he's going to be preaching to us about why he believes Jesus rose from the dead. That's, that's what we're talking about next week. Uh, what, what are some of the reasons that you can believe it? And then the following week, he's going to be talking about what 
Jesus' resurrection means to him. So he's going to be talking about some of the, the reasons and he's also going to be talking about some of the, the implications. You can't look for the egg yet. Also, let me encourage you to uh, keep in touch with us because we're going to be running a course later this year which invites us to explore our questions about this truth, about whether or not it is true that Jesus rose from the dead. But let me just say that if you're sceptical or you're not sure, that's okay. Because people who knew Jesus, people who lived with Jesus, people who walked around and saw him and touched him and ate with him, probably slept beside him, these people, when they first hear the news, it doesn't click for them either. It's okay if you want to kind of suspend judgment and investigate some more. But what's not okay is to be dismissive. It's nonsense. There's too much evidence for a simple dismissive claim. And part of the evidence is the eyewitness stories that they wrote down. John, who went into the tomb uh, and saw... He wrote this gospel. This is his story that he's telling us. So let's spend some time hearing uh, his story of how he came to understand and believe this remarkable once-in-a-lifetime event. Well, we see, he says, uh, as, he, as we look back at the story, Mary is uh, distressed uh, she, you'll remember, was by the cross of Jesus as he was dying, verse 25 of chapter 19. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. I mean, you can imagine, can't you, when there's someone you care deeply about, they've been unjustly tried, and now you're standing there watching them die. You, you can see them struggling to breathe. You can see the pain. This is a deeply distressing event for Mary. And she's in the midst of her grief when she goes to the tomb on Sunday morning. One assumes she probably went there on Saturday too. To go and to continue to mourn the loss of her friend and her Lord. And to find that the grave has been robbed, as she thinks, is deeply distressing. She stood outside the tomb, verse 11 of chapter 20, crying. And as she wept, she, leaned over, uh, she bent over to look into the tomb. And as she looks, we read that she saw two angels. Now you would think, wouldn't you, that if, you, if you've gone to the tomb and uh, you're not sure where Jesus is, and it's all looking a bit strange, and then you kind of lean down and have a look, and there's angels there, that that might be a, a sort of, hmm, something strange is happening here. God might be up to something. But she looks, and, and kind of is still, is still in the midst of her grief. It, it's still not apparent to her that the resurrection has occurred. Let me read to you again verse, from verse 12. She saw the two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. Someone's stolen Jesus. 
It's nice that God's put some angels here to comfort me. Strange, not a usual occurrence. But can some, maybe you guys can help me find him. This is the headspace that she's still in. And in fact, she's so uh, 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 committed to the thought that when you get killed on a cross, you die and stay dead, that when she turns around next in verse 14 and sees Jesus, she doesn't even realise it. Verse 14, at this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. I, I don't know what it was. Sometimes I think as human beings, when we're so committed to a, a course of action or a way of uh, things being, it's sort of impossible to have alternate evidence kind of penetrate our tunnel vision. The mixture of grief and her expectations that dead people stay dead means she doesn't just realise that this man who she'd run into is the man she's been looking for. And then he speaks, and even that at first, doesn't click her uh, out of that, that way of looking. He asked her, verse 15, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him and I will get him. Well, if the angels couldn't tell me where he was, maybe this random gardener can. The grief is clear. He wants... She wants Jesus back. I can't have him taken from me twice. But it only takes Jesus to say her name for it all to fall away. Jesus said to her, verse 16, Mary. Who knows how many times Jesus had spoken her name as they uh, 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 walked through uh, Jerusalem and Judea and Galilee together. And she turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. What a moment. When uh, that tunnel vision of dead people stay dead and I need to find Jesus, I can't have him stolen from me again. When all that fades away at the word of Jesus, Mary, Rabboni. And Jesus says, don't hold on to me. For I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. And she goes and she does as her Lord, her Rabboni, has said. And she's the first person ever to tell the good news. Christ is risen. Jesus is alive. Verse 18 she went to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told him the things that he had said to her. Jesus is alive. This is wonderful news. It's not just good news for Mary who knew Jesus, it's good news for you and me because the fact that Jesus is alive means that death is defeated, means that Satan is conquered means that sin is dead. The price for our rebellion paid. Jesus vindicated. It's wonderful news with massive implications. But it is difficult to believe. 
very difficult. And I want to sit today and ask you what it is, what, 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 what it is you make of this claim for Jesus to be alive. And just as Mary found it hard to believe until Jesus was right there in front of her, the disciples too found it hard to believe. Mary sees the empty tomb, she sees the angels, and then it's when Jesus himself says her name that she believes and understands what has happened. She goes to tell the disciples, but they're a little bit slow on the update too, just after our reading today. It's not until that the disciples actually see Jesus that they believe in verses 19 and 20. They've, been, they've heard from Mary that Jesus is alive and yet they're still gathered together, locked in a room, scared. Verse 20. But then Jesus appears to them and shows them that he is alive. And they believe. And then a little bit later on, Thomas has an encounter as well. Because Thomas, for some reason, I don't know, he's out getting the milk. He's not there when Jesus appears. What a time to be getting the milk. Like when Jesus turns up. He comes back. And he's just like, no way, there's no way that happened. Like, I know I've been living my life with you for a long time, and I know Mary's telling me it's the case, but that's just not, that just doesn't happen. I saw him die. I saw him be beaten. I saw him be laid in the tomb. He's dead. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, he says in verse 25, I will not believe. And of course, Jesus turns up and allows Thomas to do those things and he believes. And Jesus says to him, because you have seen me, you have believed, but blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Many of us dismiss the resurrection of Jesus because we think we know dead people don't come back to life. And of course, we're right in the ordinary course of events. That is indeed true. But there's nothing ordinary about Jesus. Jesus was the Son of God sent into the world to save us. He died a death he didn't deserve and so God raised him from the dead, vindicating him as innocent and able to pay the price for you and me. And John's Gospel is written, all the Gospels are written, so that you and I could have eyewitness accounts of this. And these people are telling us in the story, we didn't believe it either. We know this is ridiculous. But it's true, I tell you it is true. And Jesus says, blessed are those who believe who have not seen. We won't see Jesus rise from the dead. We were born too late for that. But we have these accounts and we can still meet Jesus by his spirit. As he dwells in us, as we put our faith in him. Trust the eyewitnesses. Trust their account. They had nothing to gain 
they had no uh, reason to die for this story, which is what happened to most of these eyewitnesses. People killed them. Stop talking about this thing that's not real. But they were committed to it because they'd seen it. You know what it's like when you've seen something, but no one believes you, but you know it's true, so you're committed to the truth regardless. Think of all the whistleblower stories and movies out there where someone knows the truth about big tobacco or whatever and it's hidden but they're committed to the truth despite the cost because they know the truth. That's how it is with our eyewitnesses who wrote down this story so that we could believe. Let me invite you to continue your journey wherever you're at. Maybe you already believe, maybe you're not sure, Maybe you're here with someone who does believe. But wherever you're at, let me encourage you to believe this story, this remarkable story, because it matters greatly. It's, the, it's a world-changing story and it will change your life. Well, kids, how's your colouring going? Good? Uh, oh, the reason I told you there was an egg was because uh, I was trying to uh, be an eyewitness to an event, the hiding of an egg in this church. Not a very significant event to me, possibly to you guys though. Uh, nonetheless, who believes me that there's an egg hidden somewhere in this church? A relatively large egg, though not the biggest egg I've ever seen. If you believe me, you can quickly, you've got and if you believe me and you're under the age of 15, you can, uh, <laughs> you can quickly come and try and find it. You've got um, 30 seconds. 30. 29. 28. 27. 26. 25. 24, 23, 22, 21, 20, 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, Two, one. Oh no. Did you find it? No. So do you believe me? Or are you starting to doubt? Not sure? Hmm. I wonder, am I a trustworthy witness? What's in here? Oh. Finders keepers, they say. <laughs> I'll break this up uh, after the service for us all to share, okay? Uh, yay! And also, we're going to do another Easter egg hunt after the service, but you can return your seats. It is an Easter egg, but you need to go and sit down. A funny little side story for the kids but nonetheless illustrative of a perfect point sometimes it can be difficult to sift through the evidence 
Sometimes it takes a second or third look. Sometimes we need some help from a trusted friend who's a little bit further along the journey. But we have the evidence. We know it's true. Jesus rose from the dead. He came to bring us back to his Father. He came to give us eternal life, to give us life to the full. Let me encourage you to believe it, to live by it, and to be transformed by the resurrection. Amen. Amen.